Step softly under snow or rain to find the place where men can pray. The way is also very plain that we may lose the way. Oh, we have learnt to peer and pour on tortured puzzles from our youth. We know all labyrinthine lore. We are the three wise men of yore. And we know all things but truth. We have gone around and round the hill and lost the wood among the trees and learnt long names for every ill and served the mad gods naming still the furies of Eumenides. The gods of violence took the veil of vision and philosophy. The serpent that brought all men bail, he bites his own accursed tail and calls himself eternity. Go humbly, it has hailed and snowed, with voices low and lanterns lit, so very simple is the road that we may stray from it. The world grows terrible and white, the blinding white, the breaking day. We walk bewildered in the light, and something is too large for sight, and something much too plain to say. The child that was ere worlds begun, we need but walk a little way, we need but see a latch undone. The child that played with moon and sun is playing with a little hay. The house from which the heavens are fed, the old strange house that is our own, where trick of words are never said, and mercy is as plain as bread, and honor is as hard as stone. Go humbly, humble are the skies, and low and large and fierce the star. So very near the manger lies, that we may travel far. Hark laughter like a lion wakes, to roar to the resounding plain. The whole heaven shouts and shakes, for God himself is born again. And we are little children walking through snow and rain. Inside the spare room, <laughs> coming to, <laughs> to bring you lots of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Hey. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the These Days podcast. This is Ben and Dwayne. Hello. And we are here in the spare room studios. Ho, ho, ho. There's a fire crackling in the grate in our imaginations. Yes. And, it would be baking us out. snow everywhere. falling outside in our imaginations. Yes. And we are just. I cr- was in the snow the other day, though. Yeah. It was yeah. really pretty. Yeah. yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah, just lots of Christmas cheer around here. Uh, a couple weeks before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you believe it? It's almost almost that time. Unbelievable. 
Um, so anyway, uh, we want to remind you that you can uh, make your holidays both merry and bright by joining us on the These Days Patreon account, patreon.com slash we'll be going now. You can get all kinds of cool swag. We're about to send some gifts out to our subscribers oh, yeah. for Christmas yeah. just this week. They're going to go out. right now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I hope you'll join us on there. Um, consider supporting the These Days podcast. Help us do more cool things, lots of cool extra episodes, and lots of cool swag that mm-hmm. you get to be a part of having and having access to uh, as part of that uh, supporter community. So join us on there and tell your friends. Tell your friends the greatest gift you could give somebody this Christmas, I really feel, is a recommendation to the These Days podcast. So without yeah. further ado, why don't you lead us into that cold open, Dad? Well, Dad, that was a uh, poem by G.K. Chesterton again. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Mr. Christmas. St. Gilbert, yeah. Um, and, uh, that was from 1913. It's called the wise men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so today we're going to take a look at the story of the wise men. Um, because, you know, every year the question sort of arises at Christmas time, especially like when you same us, send us those like lame lists of Christmas gifts. Hey, right? listen, yeah. they're awesome. Yeah. And uh-huh. just cause you don't want what I want yeah. doesn't mean my lists are lame. Well, the questions arise where to start. So, but there is a there's a story in the Bible of the in the original Christmas story uh, about you know people looking for where to start. So we're going to look at those people, and those are the Magi or the wise men, uh, are they typically called nowadays. But uh, we're going to look at it from the story angle of this story that we only know of because it's included in the book of Matthew in the Bible, the first book of the New Testament. And in, in uh, if you go to the store and pick up a New Testament. And it's in chapter two, and um, these wise men aren't what you might think. They were sort of uh, Zoroastrians. Zoroastrians, yeah, they're, they're basically astrologers. They were okay. star watchers. Okay, which is interesting, right? I mean, because they, they saw this star that pointed them to a place called Bethlehem in Judea. Mm-hmm. They weren't sure why. They knew there was a prophecy. They they dug into the Hebrew scriptures and they they, they found this prophecy in Micah. Uh, two or five rather and uh, they were looking at this this thing and so they came from the east where's the east oh well maybe Iraq maybe uh, as far over as India okay uh, there's a belief uh, there's a tradition I guess you'd say that they were of several different nationalities actually and they're traveling together and uh, this, this band across miles and miles and miles hundreds of miles probably, you know, like over a thousand miles, uh, it wouldn't be surprising because it just says they're coming from the east, and uh, they wind up um, coming together and and going to uh, uh, toward Bethlehem because of that prophecy. But here, this is sort of the first deviation from the traditional Christmas story. These these guys seem to be really good and in reality wise men, but not what we think of a wise guy or wise men now. Um. Because they weren't even, you know, Jewish believers. They weren't. They weren't evangelicals. <laughs> they weren't uh, even Christians in that sense. But they definitely were truth seekers, and that's significant. Because I mean, God includes them in the story. I mean, the story. If you believe that it's uh, uh, God's story, He includes uh, these these men that you just. They're just not the usual suspects. 
And they they well, find I mean they're they're heathens according to the yes. the Jewish people, yes. right? Yeah. But they're seeking truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not it's not even just like, oh, they're unusual to be included. They're yeah. actually you wait, what people in religious kind of uh um disputatious environments mm-hmm. or um polarized environments yes. might might say is the enemy and mm-hmm. here they are getting a, a word from yeah. God. And you could imagine, for example, the the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees, the the chief priests that Herod called in to to analyze these guys. They were, probably weren't real thrilled of them either. So, anyway, uh, it does show the breadth of whom uh, this, according to this story, this child was being born for. And um, but you, you have to follow, in order to really in order to really understand what's going on here you have to follow the sort of the chronology of events so the first thing is they wind up uh, that we see is they wind up at Herod's palace in Jerusalem and uh, I think that they think they're going to be welcomed because they're not saying hey we that, we heard there's a new king in town I mean that would be stupid right to go to the king right who, who wants to be king and tell him that hey there's somebody been born no they say uh, we're looking for the king of the Jews and the word they use for king of the Jews means born king doesn't mean the current king it means the king uh, in the future now Matthew is portraying it as the king but that's not the point here the point here is that when Herod hears it and when the um, Magi tell him what they're really saying is, look, there's somebody born here, a great leader, a great ruler. You, you probably want to know about this. And uh, Herod, um, he's believed to have died by uh, about 4 BC, by the way. Okay. I mean, we, you know, traditionally we've all been told, I think we maybe even talked about this in the podcast, have we? I don't remember. I don't remember. But that, that the, you know, calendar is divided from the birth of Christ. That would right. be, you know, zero BC. And, um, but you know, later on, it's been shown that uh, whoever made up that calendar uh, got it wrong. Uh, heard one story about he he was riding on a horse and was bouncing up and down and put the mark in the wrong place. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I'm Dad. sure that's probably the most <laughs> historically sound. Probably, yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah. Uh, but it, but it, it's you know, is that another deviation? I don't think so. It just just for your information, so you kind of know that this birth has to take place because there's. There's two years between the beginning of the story and the end of the story, so you have to kind of give it, or up to two years, you have to say, well, this probably happened 6 or 7 BC, but um, Herod is very sick at the time, and he's ending his reign, and his reign is known for protection from Rome and from other armies. Yeah, uh, he's kind of like the master political maneuver, oh, yeah. and he he like uh, really plays the game pretty well as mm-hmm. far as getting Rome to give yeah the Jewish people at least some level of autonomy. As far as old you know old world, you know, Roman era leaders, he's a good one. I mean, he's he's not I mean, a good he's person. He's yeah. brutal, he's terror, he's, he's evil in many ways. But uh he to, he's To be clear, the yes. these days podcast is not no. pro Herod. <laughs> We are not pro Herod, no, everybody, or anybody that winds up killing their own family oh, for to, to maintain power. No, that's that's not right. So, but the reality is, is uh, here's here's what one commentator, uh, one of my favorites, actually. Uh, I'll talk about it later, but it's a guy named Leon Morris. He says Herod was troubled. That's what the the story in Matthew says. Mm-hmm. He was an Edomite, which is a non-Jewish person, not a Jew. I didn't need to say that. Uh, he had. 
been made king by the Romans, the news that the Magi were bringing sound uh, were bringing sounded suspiciously like the emergence of a genuine uh, descendant of the royal line of David as the claimant to the throne. And if Herod was troubled, the whole city was troubled with him. Herod the Great trembled. When Herod the Great trembled, the whole city shook. In other words, everybody was nervous. Oh, no, so, no, 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 you know. Right, because this guy could, he's got he, a lot of power and off. he's pretty brutal. Yeah. And, and that makes me think, you know, somebody from the line of David, which is like the true descendants for yeah, the throne, yeah. has been born, um, who's who's like supposedly king. Yeah. And it makes me think of that moment in Narnia when uh, they're like, why does the white witch want to kill us? Yes. And Mr. Beaver explains because of this prophecy that says only when a human is on the throne of Narnia yes. is are things right. And so the witch is terrified that the humans, four humans are going to show up and take the throne. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I wonder where he got that. Yeah. I wonder where yeah. C.S. Lewis yeah. picked yeah. that yeah. one up. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, that's exactly right. And that's that's what it was like here. And, and back to Herod, not to keep going with him, but, you know, the Romans liked him. And there's sort of this, also this sort of image in these days uh, that has been created that the Romans were you know, all all sweetness and nice and all this. They're they're not at all. I mean, they were they were awful, vicious rulers, and uh, Herod was just awful and vicious back. So they that's why they kept him there. Like people like Pilate and um, uh, Quirinius, that name that pops up in Luke too. Uh-huh. They were they were both failed uh, leaders that wound up getting stuck up in the backwater places. So because they goofed up somewhere else uh, that was more desirable. But anyway, Herod's own wise men are gathered, and they too knew that their necks were on the line if they didn't answer right or if they had no answer at all. So they went back to the Bible and they pulled out the prophecy. And they said, see, it's right here. It's Micah 5.2 says the, uh, the, there's going to be a child born in Bethlehem, which is six miles south of Jerusalem, six miles south of the, the capital, which was a bit of a walk uh, in those days. Um, it was, you know, it'd take most, a bunch of your day anyway to get down there. And um, they say that uh, the, the wise men or the magi say, hey, we saw this star and, because Herod has a secret meeting with him. It's like, okay, where is that star? Where is it, where is it supposed to be? And, and that's where the Micah 5.2 comes out. He has it confirmed to him that that's where they found it. And, um, and, and then... Uh, this is the part of the story you can hardly read, right? I mean, that horrible part of the story where he sends, and this shows the true side of Herod, I guess, uh, he sends his troops down to kill all males uh, two years old and younger. Uh, but that's later, okay? But 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 the source of it is because he's gotten this meeting with these guys, and he says, okay, you can go. Go, go ahead and go to Bethlehem, but come back so I might worship him too. Right. So, and, sure, yeah, Herod, sure. Yeah. Well, and this, this is where the sort of another deviation from our tra- traditional crush scenes. I mean, we're not here. That these days, podcast is not about ruining crush scenes or any such but thing. But they're but they're wrong. No, no. Well, <laughs> we're just trying to clarify something. When you think of the birth of Christ, it's sort of like the the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. You got to take them all together as one event, as far as God's concerned, right? Or as far as Christian theology is concerned, or whatever. Uh, because in this case, you know, the whole two years is a part of the event. So yeah, the Magi showed up and visited with Jesus or his parents. Um, but but it probably didn't happen. This probably didn't happen until after Jesus' birth, and that's why the star was there, and that's why they were following it, and that's why when they came there, they saw this child, or probably still an infant, 
Um, but it could have been up to two, a year after that, but they're still in Bethlehem. And so Herod sends them on their way uh, with that cunning kind of, come back and I'll tell me where I can worship him too, okay? And oh, sure. And so the Magi take off. And these guys appear to be sort of unassuming at this point. Like they, 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 they accept him at his word almost. And either that or they're just getting out of uh, town and want to move on. So they come and, they, and and what they do is they actually do worship uh, the Christ child in in this story, and um, they give them three, three gifts famously gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, by the way, Matthew is uh, mentions the word gold more than any other in the New Testament. Okay, which is interesting. Why? Because he's a former tax collector. Oh, okay. <laughs> five five out of the nine times in the New Testament, gold is mentioned in the Book of Matthew. Okay. Uh, and frankincense. Remember when Mom brought some of that back? I do. Yeah, yeah I can't remember which country that was. I, th- I think it was from Ethiopia. Yeah, it was Ethiopia. Which is yeah. uh, traditionally aren't the Magi associated with Ethiopia? Uh, one of them is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's uh, it's uh, like a resinous gum that comes out of a tree in yeah. Arabia area. Uh, it was both you know medically used in cult purposes and stuff like that, and then myrrh. Which is another resin or gum uh, from a balsam type tree, and uh, clearly they're very, very valuable things in those days. And mm-hmm. uh, so they're, you know, they're. This this is an excellent contribution to the trust fund of this young child. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it uh, would have. Uh, I don't think there was such a thing as a college education. So, but. Uh, Christians have symbolically, you know, looked at these over the years, over the centuries, you know, as gold for royalty, frankincense for deity, myrrh for pointing to suffering and death, uh, like embalming and that sort of thing. But we really don't know uh, because Matthew doesn't say that. But, uh, you know, their symbol, symbolism was huge in those days. And so it shows that they were on a reverent quest and that this discovery was the culmination of their lifetime of work really, and searching for great truths. And it was uh, the star of stars for them uh, because, you know, stars had led them everywhere. And that's sort of the third deviation from the, maybe our traditional view and that is, of looking at it and sort of uh, on uh, near the second one. But these, these weren't people who expected to follow the God of Israel and or Christianity. It mm-hmm. was from the outside coming in, and it was an outside group that was unapproved, uh, and yet... Uh, their worship is as good as anyone's worship, I think, is Matthew's point. And when no one else is looking or paying attention, here these people are. Uh, and that's a significant thing, too. Leon Morris clarifies uh, the significance of the prophecy, by the way, if we consider the whole event as the, of the two years, uh, from the birth to the end of those two years. Um, and the reason the two years is because of Herod's order. So here's what uh, Leon Morris says. He says, The passage is saying that Bethlehem's greatness consists only in that it is the birthplace of the great leader, and this is as plain in Micah as in Matthew. That's the whole point of Matthew. The leader is not said to be the Messiah in in that prophecy, but the one who is the shepherd of the people certainly qualifies for that title, but that's something that Herod probably wouldn't have picked up on. So it's not said that he's the messiah explicitly but yeah. shepherd of the people is the phrase that you Yeah use. which I is okay. which is which is kind of a way of explaining you know why weren't why wasn't Herod up in arms and stuff and all this before this looking for this child that was going to be yeah. born you know 
Um, and uh, Morris goes on to say, the verb may be used of the activities of a shepherd with a flock of animals, uh, but here the symbolic meaning emphasizes the care of the leader would show as he looked after those he led. So basically the prophecy, what Morris is saying is, is that Matthew was trying to say, hey, this is somebody for the people. This is somebody who's coming to care for you all. Yeah, he's a great leader, yes. And uh, he's the greatest leader ever, to ever be born. But not a leader like Herod's a leader. Exactly. It's a contrast. It's like, you know, who would be afraid of a baby kind of a- attitude. And so um, it even puts, you know, Herod's behavior and all these other people's behavior in real in significantly stark contrast. And mm-hmm. it shows these wise men kind of holding all of that together on both ends of the leader versus shepherd kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so the Magi sees this star again, and it's leading them. Um, we're not told how it's leading them. You know, is it moving across the sky? It, 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 you know, there's people have kind of made fun of that in the past, but it doesn't say that. It just says, you know, for centuries, navigators have traveled by the stars, right? Right. So um, that's probably what they were doing. And um, how long they stayed, we don't know. But lots of people having dreams in this story. And the key on this one is, is that God gives a dream to the Magi and says, don't go back. Don't go back to Herod. Go home by another way. And uh, that's exactly what they do. And so what this really... I think the reason Matthew wants us to understand this is because uh, Jesus, uh, he wants us to know that Jesus includes the marginalized people or, or the least well thought of or the people that aren't supposed to be a part of his origin story. There's all kinds of that in this story. I'm, Matthew's big on that too because he puts a bunch of people, he, he, he doesn't put a bunch of people, but he, he calls out that there are people who are marginalized or victimized or... Um, you know, people nobody would would want in their origin story in Jesus' origin story. So in, in this genealogy in just one chapter earlier. So, but that's why Christmas is a time for welcoming people into our lives that we wouldn't normally do, wouldn't normally welcome. I and mean, it's also why Christmas is a time for showing kindness to others. This is the mm-hmm. story is sort of the birth of all those traditions. It's a time for giving gifts because they brought gifts. And, uh, you know, not that we can't do all these things all year long. But uh, this seems to be saying, hey, here's a place to start. Start here. That's so, great. Yeah. Yeah. What an interesting part of the story, and one that we often don't really know what to do with, <laughs> mm-hmm. unless we're Greek Orthodox or really big on celebrating Epiphany. <laughs> yeah. I don't have one of those hats. <laughs> what hats? Oh, the oh, Greek yeah. Orthodox yeah. <laughs> hats. To any of our Greek Orthodox yeah. listeners, we. we Nothing wrong with your, the hats. You're not saying anything like you... that. No. <laughs> great. Yeah. What, yep. So, um, I guess it's that time. I think it might be that time for books and stuff. Books and stuff. All right. What do you got? You got any books or stuff? I really don't. I'm just going to mention a commentary, a Bible commentary. Okay. And it's the one I've been quoting, Leon Morris. Okay. Um, he's not the only place I got some of this information, but one of the main places he's got a, there's this commentary series, got a blue and white cover. It's called the pillar commentary commentary. And the thing is, every time I go to Morris, particularly on the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of John, he answers my questions. And not just, you know, like Bible exegesis theological questions, but the most applicable ones, mm-hmm. like the ones that he brings it 
you know, I don't really care about what other scholars are saying when I'm reading the Bible. I want to know what it's saying to me. So, and that's what Morris's approach is, even though it's a high level commentary. It's called the Gospel According to Matthew in the Pillar Commentary. But nice. I was also thinking, we've given people a lot of books this year to put on their, uh, you know, Christmas list. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I hope some of those made it on. Yeah, especially yeah. Winter Fire, where you read that yes, poem from. That's the other one. We mentioned that a couple of episodes ago, but. This is an excellent book, Ben. Thank you very much for giving it to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you got anything? I don't. Yeah, I was. I think with that is we hope you have a very merry Christmas. And for uh, now, uh, we'll be going now.